Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. It's amazing. Give it up for your pastors. Six years. You know, Justin and Jennifer are just huge influences in my life. And, you know, I love how God has used them. And, you know, when I travel places, you know, I, I love to take like a thought home of something that I, that I visited. And just as I was uh, just hanging out with their kids earlier, uh, hanging out with the Reimer children, I was like, man, God, if you, if you just gave me children like this, and in my life, God's been doing so much because I've learned to want the right things. A lot of times when you go different places, you want bigger churches, better equipment, more influence, more followers on Instagram. But I've found that my prayer, my answer prayer accuracy has gone up as I ask God for the right things. And so um, sometimes you're in a church and you can be discouraged because you feel like God's not doing anything. But I want to encourage you on the six-year anniversary of Vivid Church your, your pastors have created an environment where if you ask God for the right things, God will do those things. And if you feel like you're in a bit of a drought, God will always cause a drought in the areas where you put before him. He will call a drought in those areas. But when you ask God for the right things, family, community, the spirit of God to move, all those things are in this place. And so get, show some love to your pastors. Six years. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, Brother Joel, man. Um, I just, just, when someone's playing keys, you just sound so deep. Everything sounds, you just connect with God. Wouldn't we all want Joel to follow us around when we're praying at home? You're just like, Lord, and then, can you imagine, you're just at home, and you're like, Jesus, will you meet me in this place? Microwave is warming up a hot pocket, but God, <laughs> I just want you to be here with me right now. See how you all just felt that? Give it up for Joel, everybody. Dude, I'm telling you. Um, what Pastor Justin did not tell you is when I picked him and his incredible wife up, it was 2 a.m. It was 2 a.m., and I remember they were so kind. I, like, that was my first introduction to, like, Canadian kindness. <laughs> like, it was weird how nice they were. Like, I just didn't get it. Like, they were in the car, and they were so kind. It was like, in L.A., when you're kind like that, oh, like, you're going to kill me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, there is no, like, kind people like that kill people in L.A. <laughs> I'm actually more comfortable if they would have cursed me out, but they get in the car and they're so kind. And I'm like, it's 2 a.m. I'm like, I'm going to die. This is a trap. And he's like, can you go find a coffee? And I'm like riding around and we're going around these streets. I'm like, this is it. I'm trying to text my wife. I'm with two Canadians. They're really kind. If I don't come back, it's Justin and Jennifer Reimer. But no, they were actually that nice. And so how you don't, what you don't know happened was at that time, you know, I was feeling a little bit overlooked in ministry. Crazy to think that uh, just several years from that day, I would be the lead pastor of the whole church at a time where I was being, feeling overlooked. And that was all God. Humans are never overlooking you. Can I just say something to you to encourage your theology? There's never something God wants you to have. 
right now. But Bob in accounting <laughs> doesn't want you to have it. God is never in heaven going, hey, Moses, I really want to bless them, but that Bob, man, he just keeps promoting someone else. Like, it just either it's not good for you or it's not yet time. That's the only two things that we don't, the reason why we don't have that. And so back then I was like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for more, God. And never preached one time in, in the church. And this was not very long ago. And so uh, I wasn't actually originally a person that was supposed to pick them up from the airport. It was another pastor. But that pastor was preaching in the morning service, doing something that I felt called to do. And so that pastor, their flight got delayed. It was supposed to come in at 11. And I forgot to share this in the earlier service. So she sent out a text, hey, their flight doesn't get into 11.30. I didn't realize that when I said, yes, I'm preaching in the morning, would love to get some rest. And I'm like, well, I'm preaching in the morning too, to the youth. Like, why does, it, why does big church matter more than youth church? Like, why do I got to stay up till 3? Right? And I tell my wife, I, I, she texts a group of people, and I was like, man, they're trying to get me to go pick up somebody from the airport at the last minute. You think I should do it? And my wife was like, well, if they asked you to preach at the last minute, would you do it? Yeah, I was like, ooh, ooh. I'm like, I did not marry you for this. I have God to rebuke me. You're supposed to encourage me. And so she said that. I was like, oh, geez. So I, get in, I, I text, yes, I'll go grab them. Pastor goes, yes, thank you so much. Their flight just got delayed till 2 a.m. After I said yes. So I'm driving to the airport, and I have this good attitude. And they, they asked for the coffee and tea, and, 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 and we got that. And did you know, the reason why I remember every detail of this story is one week later, Pastor Philip asked me to preach for the first time. One week from that day, Pastor Philip asked me to preach for the first time. And I believe stuff like this is important because you are called to live in the city of Vancouver because God wants to bring about his grace and his glory through you in this city. Can I encourage somebody today? I know the housing is expensive, but you do not have to move to Ottawa to be blessed. The Bible says he will bless you in the city and the field. I tell people in California, you might need to be a little bit more obedient in L.A. You don't have to be obedient in Kansas. You can get a house for 90 grand in Kansas. You can work at the mall. In L.A., we can seek God. God will bless us wherever we go. And so I have a word for you today, and I've been sent here for three reasons. Reason number one, I've been sent here to have a burrito from Taco Fina. And let me just give you, you didn't clap for Taco Fina, so let me give you a quick rebuke. You don't appreciate Taco Fina the way that you should. Never had a barbecue burrito like that in my life. Reason number two I've been sent by God here is to have a coffee from Revolver. You also don't appreciate that because you didn't clap either. We're this ungrateful church. This is the best food I've ever had in my life. And number three, I was sent here by the Spirit of the Lord to play golf at Furry Creek Golf Course. Thank you. Somebody actually gets it. And since I'm here, I might as well preach. That's, but it has nothing to do with why I'm here. I've been sent by God for those three places. Like, I ate the barbacoa burrito and was looking for housing. Like, that's how good it was. First bite, I start Googling, how much does it cost to live in Vancouver? And then it came up, and I was like, all right, I'm going back to L.A. No difference. But I want to preach a message called, uh, Someone to Feed and Something to Fill. 
someone to feed and something to fill. The reason why I'm preaching this message on the six-year anniversary of Vivid Church is because I believe that God is going to bring absolutely insane, profound provision through you in this church for this city. I'm talking about provision no one has ever seen. But the challenge with provision is that God has rarely given me money. Provision is providing and vision in one word. So if I don't have the vision that God wants, then why should God pay for it? See, I think so many times we like to call God our provider because we want him to pay for something we want. But God is always willing to pay for something he wants. If he wants it, he'll pay for it. That is provision. It is so powerful that Abraham was actually the only person in scripture to call God Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. But did you know he did not call God that? He never once. I know we say, God, you're Jireh, you're our provider. There is no scripture where God is called Jireh. No, Abraham marched up the mountain of God with the promised son, Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac carried the wood and Abraham carried the knife. Does that sound familiar? Thousands of years later, Jesus would carry the wood and God would allow Jesus to be sacrificed. And the Bible says he marched up to the mountain. And when he got to the top of the mountain, there was a ram in the thicket. And he called that place Jehovah Jireh. Not God, Jehovah Jireh. So what I'm here to tell you is if you're not willing to go to that place, you can't know God by that name. This, this is really good. Come on, 12 p.m. Come on, I'm getting ready to have a taco fino burrito after this. Why do we always say, who am I preaching to? Like, you. Like, why do we say that? Who am I preaching to? Somebody should go, us, dummy. Like, what do you mean? But what did God provide for? And all of this is the intro. What did God provide for? God provided not for his comfort, not so he could get a bigger place. The thing he was willing to give up, God provided so he didn't have to. So if God is Jehovah Jireh and we want to know God by that name, he's providing for things we are willing to give away. Why would God provide a million dollars if you don't want to give away a million dollars? So if God gave you a million dollars and you would give it away all to God, and this is not a sermon about like money. The Bible says one of the largest offerings ever co collected was in the book of Chronicles where 120,000 cattle and sheep and goats were sacrificed as an offering to the Lord. I looked up the biggest cattle ranch in the world, and I think it was somewhere in Australia, of course, and there's cattle everywhere, and I could not find a ranch that had more than 150,000 cattle. The Bible says that the Lord was so pleased with the offering, fire flashed from heaven and burned it all up. Can you imagine on Vision Sunday, Pastor Justin and Jennifer get up here and say, hey, we're believing that you would sacrifice and give everything to the Lord. And you guys just bring just millions of dollars and you lay it at the altar. And God is so happy, fire flashes down from heaven and burns it up. I would be so discouraged. Like, listen, your pastors are way more spiritual than me. I'd be like, I have a fire extinguisher. I would know it was fire from God. I'm like, grab the fire extinguisher. Somebody put out that fire from the Lord. Which means that God is not about money. He's about the heart behind it. He doesn't need it. 
He burned it up. He just wanted to see where people were at. This is the God of provision. He's not asking you to give because he has need. He's asking you to give because he wants you to know him by that name. In 1 Kings chapter 17, God uses a widow to provide. Now, in our context, there is no, that you might be in Vancouver and some of these houses are crazy. You might feel broke in Vancouver, but you are never in a situation like a widow in the Bible. They're, they're using this context because a widow would be like the most impoverished form in all of society. So when you see a widow in the Bible and God's doing something with a widow, what you should say is, if God could do that, then me too. The Bible says, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also. This is why when God is doing something crazy in your life, it should be a let us also. You should have someone in your life where God is doing something crazy, and you can say, yes, me too, I believe that. So I'm hoping that this story of this widow inspires you to do just such. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, Elijah, who's in the middle of the wilderness, he's just left a creek that is dried up, and so he's moving on to the next place. And says, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. The village of Zarephath would have been like this Sidon place would have been like the capital of idol worship. So people were worshiping everything and anything but God. And it wasn't a godly city. And so God sent him to the city that was not godly so God could do something. And I think we think God can only do something if the city's godly. And the government's godly. No, he didn't send him to Jerusalem. He sent him to Zarephath. And so we live in a place, America, where we have this place called the Bible Belt. Anybody heard of the Bible Belt? Now, back in the day, nobody started a church in the hood. They went to the suburbs in the Bible Belt because that's where people know God. But God is starting to call people in America to the darkest places. Why? Because we're the light of the world. So if your job is dark, turn the light on, Vivid Church. That's why God has sent you there. We can't complain that Vancouver is so dark, the government is so dark. When does a light bulb complain about the dark? Come on, you got to change. This year, I, I didn't say this at the morning service. We're changing this name as Church the Lamps Plus. This is a horrible church name. Horrible church name. So it says that God sent Elijah to a city that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't the move of God come from Jerusalem? No, the move of God came in the place where nobody thought God was moving. And he says, I've instructed a widow to feed you. Lowest person in society, lowest place supposedly in the kingdom, that's where I want to move. Through the person no one thinks I can move through and the place no one thinks I can move in. So if God really wants to do a miracle in Vivid Church that is on this level, and we want to pray for miracles, which we love, we have to be willing. You know what the worst part about a miracle is? You need one. I don't want a miracle. Anybody believe in miracles? Not me. I don't want a miracle. I don't want my finances to need a miracle. I don't want my health to need a miracle. But the original version of miracle in the Bible is something divine that God does to authenticate a message. When God does a miracle, there's a message behind the miracle, and churches aren't seeing miracles anymore because they want the miracle but not the message. And if we start to want the word, 
more than the miracle, God will start to do miracles to authenticate his word in your life. I am your provider. I am your healer. I love you. And so he sent Elijah to this city to make something like this happen. And the Bible says he goes at the gates of the village and he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And I want you to catch this. As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I only have a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Talk about struggling. Elijah asked for a cup of water, Vivid Church. And by the way, I love your church's name. Vivid means to see brightly. And, and, and we need to be able to be lights, but we need to be able to see brightly in the middle of darkness. And this last three years has been so tough, our vision has become cloudy. And vivid is a prophetic word. You can't name your church Oasis and then get mad when people leave. Because Oasis is a resting spot for people who are on their way somewhere. So I refuse to be mad that people leave because they're supposed to. So then Vivid Church can't get mad living in a dark city. We're Vivid Church. So that's the one thing you don't have permission to be upset about is, Lord, I can't see how you're moving. I know. I put you in a situation where no one can see what I'm doing except for you. So if I'm going to be a good pastor of Oasis Church, you know, I was in, in, the, in the, I'm so, I'm in a much better place than the 12 p.m. But at the 10 p.m., 10 a.m., I was, I cried the whole worship service. I could not stop crying. It was awful. Because the Reimer children, I was their youth pastor. And I was watching what God has done with them since the last time I've seen them, and I was bawling. Because I'm like, I was a youth pastor. If something I said even contributed to 1% of who these kids have become, Lord, what is my life? Why do I want to do more than that? If their vision is vivid in darkness and they're an oasis for people, I did my job. So, so what I'm encouraging you with is, is, and this is so important we get this, is that this woman said yes to the water because that's what she had. But yet when the man of God asked the woman for something she didn't have, she said, I don't have that. God is going to ask you in this season for something you don't think you have. If you don't think you have money, God's going to say, I want you to give to the church. If you don't think you have time, God's going to say, I want you to serve. If you don't think you have, if you're not encouraged, God's going to say, I want you to encourage somebody else. He's going to ask you for the one thing you don't think you have. And here is what is absolutely insane about this, is that Elijah told the woman, go get some water. She says, I got you. Got you. Your lips ain't going to be chapped no more up in here. I got you. (laughs) As soon as he asked for food, whoa, 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 I don't have that. I was just preparing my last meal. What what pastor and what man of God 
when they discovered that that was all you had, would say, give it to me. Can you imagine if you just said, hey, Pastor Justin, and he said, what are you doing? I'm on my way to Taco Fino. I'm going to get a crispy chicken wrap, and it's my last 12 bucks, and then I'm going to die because after that I'm going to starve to get death. And Pastor Justin and Jennifer said, you know what? Go get that chicken wrap and give it to me. <laughs> what? And listen what he said. He continued and say, you will, in verse 13, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said, but make a little bread for me first. Make a little bread for me first. She said, I'm going to make a little bit, then I'm going to die. He said, make it for me first. Take your last and give it to God first. Then use whatever is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Give a little to me first. What do you think the little is? I wonder if it's 10%. I wonder if it's the tithe. We tell people in L.A. all the time, these guys, they don't give God 10%, but they book an audition and give their agent 10%. Why? Because without the agent, they wouldn't have the job. So this is a principle that the, the industry is using that God created. So if you get an agent, he's not going to bless you and he doesn't get anything. He says, give a little to me first, and your 90% will be bigger with me than your 100% without me. That's the entire concept that these people got from the Bible, y'all. So she says, give me a little bit to me first, and then what's left. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always, somebody say always. always. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the Lord sends rain and the crops go, grow again. There will always. This woman gave her last to God first and the last transformed into always. What do you have in your life that you feel like is your last? Give it to God. Use it to bless someone. And your last will be transformed to an always. I really believe I'll always have provision. Because we understand these principles of God that are in the Bible. And I don't want us to have so much faith as a church, whether it's in L.A. or in Vancouver, that we use prayer to pray for things and ask God for things that he's designed principles to get us. You can't pray for there to be always. No, there's a principle here that if we would adopt the principles, I can save you a lot of time in your prayer life with principles. And a world is getting away from biblical principles. Anybody a prayer warrior, you can just lock yourself in a closet for three hours and just pray? Anybody an intercessor? I don't know how you people do it. I'm not an intercessor. I love people praying for me, but I'm not a gift. So because I'm not an intercessor, I can't pray for three hours. I need principles. I need to be blessed by the principles of God. So when I pray, it's an encounter God mostly, but I want to study God's word for the principles. And the principle that I want you to understand is that whatever you feel is your last, God wants to turn into an always. But here is the solution. You need someone to feed. Is it about you or the next generation? Do you not feel like you're smart? Want to give somebody wisdom. Do you not feel 
Like you have enough resources? Well, maybe you have enough just for you. Most of us are not like this widow. We're not going to die at the end of the day. But we all have this need that there's something in our life that is not enough. But the reality is, you do have enough for you. But do you have enough for everyone around you? One of the biggest ways you can act, activate the prosperity and the resources of God is by taking responsibility for someone around you. Not just come to church, take responsibility for it. Can you imagine that? Take responsibility for your classmates. Some, there's no one in my space that's leaving discouraged today. There's no one in my space that I'm not going to. There's no one in my space. If you, if you give me money, everyone's getting money. If you, like, there's no one. And God proves it and tests it by, is what you have, are you using it to feed someone? Can I give you this thought that God wants to take everyone in, in Vivid Church from a foodie to a feeder? A foodie is someone in L.A. that goes around and they want to taste the best food. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You can be a foodie for a season. But after that, the real believers are by faith their feeders. Whatever I have, I'm giving to God first. You watch the doors that God is going to open up in Vivid Church. You watch the last that become always in Vivid Church. Do you know the next time I come here, next month, <laughs> this place is so amazing. The next time I come here in November, somebody say hallelujah. The next time I come here, and I don't know when that's going to be, someone's last would have become an always. In Jesus' name, does anybody at the 12 p.m., come on, you got to clap real good. It's afternoon up in this. Someone's last is going to become an always because they gave their last to God first. And I just want to tell you something prophetically. Give whatever it is you think you need. This one person came to me one time and says, hey, Pastor Julian, when you talk about offerings, why do you talk about money? Like, why do you always talk about how you give money? Like, I give sweatshirts away to the homeless. Doesn't that count? I said, well, I talk about money because that's what I want. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. I don't want a box of old sweatshirts. So that's not what I sew. The Bible says you make a mockery of God when you think that you will reap something different than what you are sowing. And here's what's crazy about that verse, because growing up, I grew up in a religious environment where if you did some sin, you're making a mockery of God, you reap what you sow. It's a negative context. But no, he says you reap what you sow. If you sow something bad, you reap something bad. If you sow something good, you reap something good. So what am I trying to tell you? You make a mockery of God when you sow generosity and believe that nothing is coming to you. God goes, you're making a mockery of me. You sowed everything good. Of course something's coming to you. Because you sowed it. And you sowed it in faith. So some of us make a mockery in God, of God by sowing something bad and believing that they're going to get something good. But I really feel in this context, y'all have been sowing. Don't make a mockery of God by believing that God is not going to do something right here at Vivid Church in Vancouver where the housing prices of high. If God said you're going to get a house, he's not saying you got to go to Edmonton. You can do it right here. But you got to sow. This field is huge. It's going to take a lot more seed than maybe what some of us have been giving.
And if you sow enough for a garden, don't believe God for an orchard. That's all this verse means. And then if that wasn't enough, you fast forward to this other widow, and I guess God has this thing with prophets and widows because Elijah's successor meets a widow in 2 Kings 4. It says, one day the widow of a member of groups of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Back in that culture, the sons could be slaves if you didn't pay your bills. Sheesh. What can I do to help you, Elijah asked me. Tell me what do you have in the house. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Her nothing was something. Your nothing is something. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her. She was filling herself. Bring me another jar. I don't know why I sounded like that. It sounded like an old black man. Bring me another jar up in this place. Bring me another jar. She said to one of her sons, there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Do you know how crazy these two stories are with God providing? One person, they had to give to God first what was their last. This story, they had to take something that was empty and believe God was going to fill it. I want you to understand that if I had a big empty vessel up here and a little flask of olive oil, do you know how crazy you would have to believe to pour that olive oil in that bigger container? Because I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes as a Christian, when we feel poor, P-O-O-R, we don't pour. P-O-U-R. So because we feel like we're poor, we stop pouring. I got to take a break. I, I can't do this anymore. Look, I'm down to my last encouragement. I got to stop encouraging people and someone's got to encourage me. Listen, I got to stop giving, man. I'm down to my last. We feel poor and we stop pouring. But God is like, if you would just keep pouring when you feel poor, I would feel what you're pouring. So when you give to a church, and Pastor Justin did not ask me to preach this message. When you give to the church, when you encourage someone else, when you do that, you are taking your little flask of whatever you have and pouring into a much bigger container, and God will fill it. I've experienced this in my life. I did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be in the music business. And when I tell you, and I didn't share this story at the last service, and if they have an online service, but you know when I knew I was supposed to be a pastor? I wanted to be a songwriter my whole life. Justin knows this. In 2018, my pastor wasn't feeling well. And he took a six-month sabbatical, and the board voted to make me the interim lead pastor. And the church blew up. And I was like, oh, no. This is not good. 
this is not what I want to blow up. I want music to blow up. And during that time, and I didn't share this in the last service, but I feel led to share with you. During that time, I served my pastor so well. And I got a phone call from a girl in our church who says, I feel called to give my friend a kidney. And I said, she says, you can't tell anyone who this friend is. She said, this friend is Selena Gomez. And I said, are you related to her? And she said, no. Well, you ain't going to be a match. I had no faith. Like, just... The odds that you're going to be a, fat, a match is next to nothing. So just go get tested. You'll know if there's a Lord. She got tested, and she discovered that they, the doctor said to her they've never seen a person who wasn't a relative that was a better match. So she gives Selena Gomez her kidney. And my wife and I pastored this girl through that whole thing. Two weeks into it, Selena Gomez calls the church and says, can I speak to Pastor Julian? Comes to the church, meets the office. I pray for her because she's getting kidney surgery. She says, man... This church is great. I gotta, you got to meet my boyfriend. I said, I didn't know who her boyfriend was. I said, yeah, sure, I'll meet the guy. I don't know. It could be Steve, anybody. So she leaves. I Googled Selena Gomez's boyfriend. He's a fellow Canadian at the time named The Weeknd. And I went and watched basketball with The Weeknd. And I'm like, this is it. I'm getting ready to be the most prolific songwriter. God, you have introduced me to the two biggest pop stars in the world. And now, because I serve Philip so well, I'm off. This, this, I'm out. When Philip comes back, I'm giving him to church, and I'm going to go do what God calls me to do, and that's to be rich. And so she plays me this song, and I give her my thoughts on the song, and she's like, how do you know so much about music? I've been looking for Christian writers. You know, you stick your left foot out. I'm like, and the Holy Spirit said, do not tell her you're a songwriter. I've not called you to do that. You're a pastor. If you, if you tell her you're a songwriter, she'll invite you to the studio, and I don't want that. I don't know. I just like music. It's like music. And I left that situation feeling so discouraged. One year later, I was the lead pastor of Oasis Church. And God has used my life to fill the empty jars of people. And so I've discovered this principle that when we feel called to crazy provision, we try to pick the thing that we want to do for God to provide. But I have found in my life it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter where we work. If at any given time in our life we have someone to feed, and something to fill, God will always provide. He'll always provide. In this particular situation, though, the woman got the jars from her neighbors, and the people who brought her the jars were the sons. And there is something so special about the young people in this church. I have cried three times. And I'm not really a crier, but there is something so special about the young people in this church. I just feel like God was saying a vivid church can hold on long enough for these young people to bring them the jars. That the provision that's going to come is from these young people growing up in the house of the Lord. I mean, I'm not saying this because I'm supposed to say this. There was this 
um, I, I saw uh, just kids everywhere and got a chance to encourage Joel's daughter and got a chance to encourage so many people. And I'm like, there's something special. So, uh, Sam, I was like, Sam, who is this kid that just walked past us? Oh, that's Joel's daughter. That's... There's something so special about the young people in this room. And there are certain things that are not going to happen in the lives of people until we realize that God is waiting for the young people to go get the jars. And he's going to speak faith to the older people in here who feel like they have empty jars. And the young people are going to go get the jars. And this multi-generational movement at Vivid Church, there's going to be empty jars everywhere. And God's going to fill everyone. And everyone. And the reason that God is going to fill Vivid Church, God is going to fill this house Fill this house, especially as we love each other more than we've ever loved each other before. God will fill this house. And he's not filling this house to put it on Pastor Justin's resume. He's going to fill this house so that you'll never run out of jars. Because notice, as soon as she ran out of people, she ran out of jars. The oil stopped flowing in the church. Oil in the Bible represents God's divine ability to do something. And the oil will stop flowing when you run out of people with empty jars. So when you come to church, you come to church empty. Every church service is a birthday party and a funeral. The funeral for the things that are not of God and a birthday party for the things that are. And we come together here with our empty jars believing that because God is God, he can fill what is empty. But without a community of neighbors, there's no jars to collect. A church service in this season is a collection of empty jars that God will fill. Be careful if your jar is empty not to fill it with a boyfriend, not to fill it with a girlfriend, not to fill it with... It's not about it's a sin. It's about Jesus said you have no room for my message. God wants to fill that himself. I want you to stand to your feet. And maybe you came in here... And you're like, dude, I'm 20. I have no, no one to feed. Yes, you do. You know what the average age of a pastor is right now? I looked it up. 55. You know what the average age of a pastor was when the church started? 20. That's how many scholars say Peter was. 20. God can do anything. The youngest king ever was a king named Josiah, and he was eight. God can do anything, but he wants us to dream a different way. He wants us to believe that even in Vancouver, it doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to move where it's easier. Even here, if we would just bring God our empty jars, God would do something so special. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.